0: I'm Erica Ramirez, founder of Illy and host of What About Your Friends, a brand new show on the Ringer podcast network dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. Every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish Feed, I'll be talking with my best friend, Stephen Othello, and your favorites from within the Ringer and beyond about friendships on TV and movies, pop culture, and our real lives. So join me every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish Feed, where we try to answer the question TLC asked back in the day What About Your Friends?
1: This episode is brought to you by the new season of Love Island USA, only on Peacock. We got a text. On June 11th, the one and the only Ariana Maddox is hosting a new season of Love Island USA on Peacock. With a new villa, new bombshells, and drama on the daily, this is summer appointment viewing at its finest. Oh, and of course, Scottish sweetie Ian Sterling is on the mic to narrate every moment of the fun. Love Island USA starts Tuesday, June 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern with new episodes six days a week, exclusively on Peacock. Visit PeacockTV.com to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Amanda, welcome to your post-award season life. How do you feel? I feel good. I will say...
0: Post award season means that I'm just like watching a lot of weird movies about Adam Driver fighting dinosaurs and stuff. So I don't know whether Ooh, that was cons- good. It was not. It was an interesting no. idea, poorly executed. I'm talking about the Adam Driver film 65. But we did a podcast about Adam Driver on the big picture, and as a result, I rewatched an episode of Girls and Marriage Story, and really
1: enjoyed both of those experiences. You know, I was just talking to Jeff Chow, our colleague, yesterday. About how wonderful Adam driver was in girls him and Jemima's Kirk their and their chemistry together. it's like kind of unmatched on television it was it was electric yes I re- I chose a season one
0: episode mm. just to really get like the full experience. but Adam Driver's charisma in that is astonishing as is Jemima Kirk's independently. They don't share any scenes together, but I was I had forgotten just the power that was J- Jemima Kirk.
1: I don't think I could rewatch Girls. That's I, I, like, feel uncomfortable thinking about it, thinking I, about the time of my
0: life. <laughs> I rewatched it shortly after I moved to Los Angeles when I was very homesick, and I don't know whether that was the best coping mechanism for me, because, you know, I was of the same age as the characters and girls living in Brooklyn uh, at the same time. So it, it, that show is quite a lightning rod for for many reasons, many of them deserving, but it definitely is a time capsule for me. I'll put it that way.
1: It's a great show. I think it's underrated at this point. Yeah. But just for me personally, I'm not sure I could rewatch it. I don't really want to revisit my my late 20s. That's the point. Let's get into it. A lot of stories. Uh, we're obviously going to talk about the mammoth Ben Affleck Q&A in The Hollywood Reporter. This He's on the cover, I believe, as well. Or yes. at least he got a, he got an amazing photo shoot. We are we'll also going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Taylor Swift's real estate. Not a lot new, but I really want to talk about the Wall Street Journal's commitment to finding some overhead photos, which I appreciated. But (laughs) we're going to start by talking about Law Roach, celebrity stylist, who announced last week shortly after the Oscars that on Instagram that he was retiring, and then... There's been a lot written about this, but I think we will be primarily referring to his interview with The Cut, with The Cut Editor-in-Chief, Lindsay Peoples, where he really got to speak a lot. And I would encourage a lot of people to use that as their primary source if you're Googling Law Roach. It's a lengthy interview, but I think well worth it. The man speaks on many topics. And this is really like, I think the biggest celebrity story at the moment. Perhaps I'm wrong. I will also just sort of note, I don't know a lot about the world of fashion. I sit here talking to you in an old navy sweatshirt tunic from two years ago. So, <laughs> first of all, I don't think that
0: committing to your clothes or liking a bargain
1: excludes you from the world of fashion. Thank you. I think I'm just excluded from the world of fashion because I've never tried to participate. But I do find celebrity styling really interesting. And I guess what I found the most interesting about this really extensive interview is Law Roach very much is rejecting the structure in which he's been working for the last few years. And I think for, I thought it was particularly interesting for jam session because a lot of what he talks about in the interview at the cut is about just how unhappy the, like the structures of the celebrity styling world have made him. And he says he retires because he's unhappy. And they talk a lot about the gatekeepers and particularly the white gatekeepers of celebrity fashion. And I thought like, I thought that piece of it, you know, was just really fascinating. And I, I appreciated one of the questions that Lindsay people's asked was like, "How do you start working with someone new?" And he he gave a long answer. It didn't have the, some of the precise details that I wanted, but that's just because I like very. I, I love understanding that minutia. But I thought that his commentary about like the industry itself was really really noteworthy. Well, what's like your takeaway from this, Amanda, knowing much more than I do?
0: I don't know if I know that much more than you do. I mean, okay, I, so I have, a little bit more. I have at not least. worked in fashion, but. I, I will say to you that the same details about the structure and the behind the scenes and how it works and how frustratingly it works, to put it mildly, were the most interesting to me. So the structure that you're referring to, the gatekeepers, as best I can tell, you know, there there is a celebrity who exists in the world and they have a management team that encompasses, you know, both their... If it's an actress, then it's their movies or their TV shows or any, you know, sort of their artistic projects. And then any there's endorsements, then their red carpet appearances. There is everything that is like the management of the of the person being famous. And so there are like a lot of people around a celebrity. Whether they are managing their deals, managing their schedule, managing their appearances, managing their social media, managing their publicity more generally. It's just like a lot of people. And I don't have a ton of experience with this, but I do have some experience with dealing with celebrity publicists and the apparatus around them. And I will tell you that there is no deeper circle of hell than being on an email with a bunch of really high-powered celebrity publicists. And, and I say that as a white woman who is often dealing with other white women. So that, once you add in the racism which is baked into Hollywood and certainly the fashion world, and just the it, this sense of outsider-ness that also that he keeps talking about, that it is a r- really you got to know who you know industry, it it seems to be, I, I completely understand why he would no longer want to do it because just yeah. the amount of wrangling that you have, not wrangling and just the interacting with like people with different motivations and unpleasant people and the number of people between him and the celebrity who he is working with to create something that in his view, and in my view as well, really is it like a creative artistic endeavor to, like, you can, if you don't get red carpet stuff and you don't get it, but when it goes really well, it's really transcendent. And I do think, to quote Devil Wears Prada, like a wearable art form, and that doesn't come easily. And then when it's not good, you it goes really, it goes really badly. So he's trying to do this creative thing which requires a connection with someone. And creative endeavors always involve a lot of logistics and a lot of product or process management. That's the unglamorous side of it. And sometimes they involve conflict as well, but you're just dealing with just some some of the worst vibes in the world. I don't want to malign people, but there is a way that all of this negotiating and management, there's like an agreed upon language That is some of like the most unpleasant and undermining like way of communicating that I have ever experienced in my life.
1: One thing I just like really don't understand. And I mean this more like rhetorically, not like I'm like saying he's lying or anything is like how much he doesn't he makes it seem like he doesn't talk to his clients directly. Like the publicists and the managers and the assistants sort of like get in the middle. And I think one of the reasons why it seems like his relationship with Zendaya is so meaningful is not just because of the way they decided to like lift each other up, but also because of the, like the direct connection. And I I felt like when with some of the different celebrities he was referring to in, The P in the conversation, you could tell when he worked with them more closely. And as a result, Mm -hmm. it seemed like it was more fruitful. Like the, the three that really stick out for me are Anne Hathaway, Celine Dion, and Zendaya. And all three of them, he like spoke to very specific moments about how it transformed his career or transformed the work. And it became really, and it just seemed really evident in the way that he was saying this. And I give him a lot of credit for not maligning anyone specifically, even like Priyanka Chopra Jonas, who he, we'll come back to that in a second. Like he's talked about like what a lovely person she is. But you could tell with some of these celebrities, like when there's like a real connection there, mm-hmm. it seemed like it was more rewarding work and also like more, like more impactful on his career. And that's what's just like so insane about like, the Oscars, and, like, you can understand why it was, like, coming out the day after. Like, he sort of, like, was just, like, fuck this the day after. The, sh- the apparatus around it is, like, so intense. And, like, at the upper echelons, not even, like, A-plus list with someone like Zendaya, but, like, at the upper echelons, there's a manager, there's an agent, there's an assistant, there's and then that's just like a person's individual team and then like let's say they're working on a movie or they're doing a shoot or something. There's just like so many people involved and it just seems like it seems like not that fun. And so many people with financial interest involved yeah, trying to trying to move things one way or the
0: other. I thought the anecdote that he gave of someone who reached out to him in his DM saying like I would like to work with you and that person explained how she came to reach out to him via DMs. And it's because I think it was, like, an actress who was just starting out and so has input from manager, agent, publicity firm, studios, you know, like, all of the vested parties telling her, okay, you have to do it this way and here are the names of people that you have to pick from to take you seriously. And then she has a bad experience and she keeps pushing for him. And, like, no, none of those 45 people or whatever will will take her request seriously and so she just has to like kind of go outside the system and literally just be in his dms which you know in some ways this is like a really specific elaborate hollywood fashion like celebrity thing and also it's kind of true of like you know working with like a lot of different people like it's always more rewarding when it's you know you actually are working with someone or just when you have like a connection with someone. And then when a lot of financial interests get involved, it it
1: gets complicated. Yeah. Ben Affleck says it too in his Q&A with the Hollywood Reporter, which we'll come back to. But I just, I just thought like the way that he, it's the other thing that's just became very clear is he is like retiring from being a personal stylist. He is definitely not retiring from working in like the creative fields with really high profile creative people. Like, he he says he's going to continue working with Zendaya at a different Right, capacity. which we
0: should point out is the other, like, the the Oscars were the precipitating. He he posted to Instagram he was retiring the day after the Oscars. But a few days before, there was a viral video of Zendaya and La Roche, and I think it was a Louis Vuitton show, and Zendaya was, is yeah. newly the face of, or, a, you know, an ambassador for Louis Vuitton. And it's, it's an awkward interaction of Zendaya having a seat and, appearing and Roach not having a seat and appearing to gesture that he should sit behind her or something. Anyway, intense online speculation surrounded this video and whether she they had had a falling out and she was telling him to sit in the second row and all these sorts of and and he clarified in the the piece that they did not have a falling out, that she was not gesturing for him to sit there, that the awkwardness was that they had arrived late and he didn't have a seat because that's a new relationship. She used to be a Valentino. He's like, normally I would have a seat. I didn't know what to do. But you have to imagine also that, like, the intense online scrutiny yeah. of moments like that also lead to, uh, it, it's a lot for any one person yeah. to take like on. a disinterest. So, yeah, like of
1: course. Who would want to keep doing it? Exactly. I don't know. I, I read the transcripts. I also plan to listen to some, yes. like some of the more interesting pieces. Thank you to New York Magazine for giving me both options here at the Ringer. We just asked you to listen, but thank you, New York Mag. Anyway, I I thought it was it was really interesting. Also, how he very you know I thought very deftly pointed out like the different ways that like the the gatekeepers perpetuate. Who's in and who's out? Like mm-hmm. he was saying, if you look at the stylist from last year's Oscars and this year's Oscars, like you'll see the same people. And he doesn't name names, which is smart, but I'm sure, I bet there's people who are like unhappy with this interview. I'm sure, I'm sure there are. What do you think about the Priyanka piece of it? So that wasn't something that I had
0: followed. I, I wasn't aware of those comments that she'd made where she was effectively, she said that she was told by someone or me to feel bad because she's not a sample size which is, you know, a size two, which is absolutely tiny. And because she did work with La Roach before, the, you know, the same, like, online chatter, you know, narrative stuff puts the blame on him. And then he says that he never had a conversation with her about that. And also that the people around her aren't equipped to have, you know, those types of conversations, like, in a supportive way or which— is loaded in its own way, right? Like, to have the conversation of being like, you need to fit in this size or something, which I think you and I both are categorically like, what? No. But you're right that he manages to do it with a lot more respect than I think, and respect for her than many people would.
1: Yeah, he basically gives, I I get the impression he didn't really work with anyone he didn't like, so it seems like he gives the benefit of the doubt to all of his, like, direct clients and really is much more suspicious of the people around them. I did not know that a celebrity has to buy their clothes if they're not sample size, which is what he implies in this piece. And like, he talked about it with some of his other, he talked about it with Tiffany Haddish. He mentioned it with Lizzo. He mentioned it Anne Hathaway after she had a baby. Like he was saying that, he talked about different women he worked with who were not always sample size because a lot of stylists and obviously a lot of actresses work within the sample system. But he like referenced someone buying their own clothes. And I was like, wait, what? I didn't know about that. <laughs> I was just like, that's news to me. I don't know that that's across the board
0: true. I I think all of these arrangements are you know person by person and how how what how willing they are to go overboard for you and then I think a lot of that has to do with either the relationship that the fashion house has with the
1: stylist or with
0: the the celebrity in question. You know, it's It obviously- was
1: in this case it was Tiffany Haddish. She referred to her buying her own clothes, which also like there's probably some racism involved in I, that too. I, yeah, absolutely. I was cuz I was going to say it quote unquote depending on the
0: relationship that the stylist or the celebrity has with the fashion house is like yeah. completely loaded in terms of race and you know like perceived Hollywood status and all of that stuff. And so that that someone new doesn't have that access. And it is true then that the clothes that are available at to be at loaned out are of a certain size and so that's incredibly small. So if you're not that size, there's just less to go around, you know? Right. And so then to be able to access either the like the the runway clothes or like the you know, to have a custom or something that is a look that's all your own, which is within fashion world to, you know, considered like a a flex, I guess. Right. You have to have a connection or you got to have money or you got to be really skinny.
1: Right. I can't imagine working in fashion. <laughs> just just want to throw that out yeah, there. No. It just seems so it's just mercenary. It is not inclusive. I mean, that's another big piece of the conversation between yeah. Lindsay Peoples and La Roach is just about like kind of the fake inclusivity that fashion claims. But it's just it just seems like a really intimidating, unpleasant world. I feel I feel glad to not be a part of it. I can't imagine trying to keep up with it. I would feel bad about myself all the time. Same. On the, on the flip side, I, just one thing we haven't
0: said is that, like, Norwich is incredibly talented and especially, like, what he's done with Zendaya is, like, far and away better than anyone else doing any sort of, like, appearances right now. So that's, like, a loss. He says that he will continue to work with Zendaya and um, he, he seems to have, like, a real love for the clothes still, so, and to treat it like a calling. So, you know, maybe it's not the end of that, but I'm just like, not everyone can do that.
2: This episode is brought to you by Thomas's.
0: Thomas's presents Technique
2: with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. (laughs) Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven. And your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with 7 rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that I'm be going forward anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early. Plus tax. Participating U.S. stores. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com.
1: The other thing I think is is like evidently very successful is his work with Anne Hathaway and Valentino. Yeah. Anne Hathaway, I think since she started working with him, and I, I don't think they still work together, but when she was... Like, I feel like the way that her relationship with Valentino has been forged, it, she just looks fantastic in and so, and a lot of those clothes. And he speaks highly of his work with Valentino as well. And he he also talks about how, like, a good relationship with the fashion house means it's, like, beneficial for the celebrity that he's styling. And I feel like, to your point, Zendaya and Anne Hathaway and Valentino are two, like, incredible pieces of evidence in, in, in that story to that point. Cause like they both look fantastic. I'm like, wow, I love Valentino. And like, I don't even think about like, I couldn't even name like a Louis Vuitton look, but I can think of a couple Zendaya and Anne Hathaway looks. So like, I just absolutely love that are in Valentino. So shout out, shout out to them and that partnership. I thought that was interesting too. Like the kind of go between of how the stylist is like a go between. I thought that was pretty interesting. Also Chicago, like huge representation in fashion in the last few years between him and and Virgil Abloh and I hate to say it, but even Kanye West for better and for worse. So like all, all three of them really from very modest beginnings in Chicago. I mean, La Roach, I would say is even less than modest. He talks about like the extreme poverty he grew up in and his really rough childhood. It's it's really worth checking out the conversation with Lindsay Peoples. All right. Let's talk about Ben
0: Affleck. Okay. I'd love to talk about Ben Affleck and I'd love to talk about stylists with Ben Affleck. Um, (laughs) Ben Affleck is on the cover of The Hollywood Reporter this week and, as you mentioned, has a truly fantastic Q&A with Rebecca Keegan. A-plus. I can't wait to talk about it. He was also photographed. And I believe that he was styled for this Hollywood Reporter cover story by his personal stylist, which means a lot of incredibly skinny pants, (laughs) like the skinniest pants I've ever seen, and some normal sweaters. and. I just have to say I would like more. I would like a <laughs> little more. Like, this is this is what happens when you don't have someone with La Roche's vision on the, the payroll.
1: Okay, I agree with that. Counterpoint, I feel like the point of this interview was Ben Affleck being like, I'm doing me and I don't care what anyone else says anymore. And so I feel like to that point, he's just like, I want to dress like me.
0: That's fine. I wish that Ben Affleck's new sense of self could just find slightly (laughs) wider jeans. I don't want full wide leg. I don't want him going too baggy either. Men's fashion continues to really frustrate me in general, but these are just very snug and there's just like a proportion issue, you know, with the bulky, (laughs) with the, the he's looking good and then the (laughs) jeans are very small. That's all. That's my note.
1: In the in the name of giving credit, like, like Law Roach has suggested we do. Let's just say his grooming was by a woman named Natalia Bruschi, and the photography is by Austin Hargrave. And this, the styling is Ilaria Urbanati, who is a longtime stylist and I
0: believe his personal stylist.
1: Well, Amanda's got notes for you, but I feel like this is, I don't know. I was happy with it. What's your favorite Ben Affleck quote? Oh, and what I was going to say is, by the way, thank you to Matt Bellany for, I, I saw some of these quotes going around, like the Wordle one. Mm-hmm. I wasn't quite sure where it was from, and then Matt Bellany's email oh, last okay. night is how I realized where it was from. So thank you to Matt.
0: I am sorry that it took me that long to share it with you because I did share the golfing quote with all of the golfers in my life, and many of whom are also in your life, Juliet. At I, like, too, texted it to someone. At, like, 7 a.m. the morning it was released, and I shared it without context, and... My husband was like, what is this even from? Like, who is this quote? Like, why are you why are you heckling me about golf at 7 a.m.? And I was like, it's because my number one guy, Ben Affleck, thinks that people disappear. I got to say. Yeah.
1: Are you aware of the, you know, you've got to be, about the like urban legend, never been proven that like Michael Jordan corrupted Tiger Woods and like Michael Jordan's love of gambling? Y- yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's quite the subtext for this <laughs> Q&A where he talks about, Ben Affleck talks about how golf is like meth and he met Michael Jordan on the golf course. Well, he also says that he, <laughs> this is an incredible quote.
0: I periodically play cards sometimes with Michael and we've got mutual friends. Yeah. And I that just, just like, sounds good, okay? And it's not like he'd be like, oh yeah, Ben's my boy. He'd be <laughs> like, yeah, I know him. But like once you're playing cards with Michael <laughs> Jordan, even occasionally...
1: We already knew that Ben Affleck was awesome at poker, which is why he's not allowed to play in many places and also like a testament to the fact that he's very smart, but this just confirmed it. And I was just like, wow, he's just lived so many lives. But I have to say, like, I found this Q&A utterly charming. His devotion to his his children is heartwarming.
0: Yeah, he doesn't want to go to
1: Bulgaria. He doesn't want to go to Bulgaria. He just wants to work with his friend, Matt Damon. He's no longer taking advice from people he thinks is going to drive wedges between him and the people he loves and he also just has like a lot of respect for making movies which is very clear because he talks very much about like the pe- the actual people who make them and the disconnect between the people who are making them in the studios and like how do you just not root for this guy it's just like what an you listen? <laughs> you tell me
0: I you were you were waffling there and I was no, saying I, I right for him
1: I root for him but I worry about him I don't know. It's just so so many great pieces of this. It's just unbelievable. I would like to talk about the parallel parking because okay. Rebecca Keegan
0: asks him about the news cycle devoted to his parallel parking. Here's his response. Dude, you know how many people can get in that spot? That was world-class Boston finesse. I just absolutely love him. It's really special. He clarified what was going on with the Grammys and... He, like, re- he was like, I had a good time. He was like, I thought it would be fun because it was Trevor Noah and some musical <laughs> performances. And then I realized I was at my wife's work event and not performing appropriately. It was really great, really special. I, you know, I continue to think that he uh, honestly speaks really well and really compellingly about his recovery and even about like being in recovery in public and what that means. And he's like, I, you know, he's like, if you can choose to do it in private, I would encourage you to do it in private. Uh, the, the, uh, the wordle, uh, how do you even say octortal?
1: said centocordal. I too do all of them. You do every day? Yeah. Uh, not every day, but I go through phases where I'm like, I wake up and I have to do them. Depends how busy I am, but I do them a lot. Like I did them yesterday all on the subway. Okay. Well, how, what was your score? I don't, I don't count up like that. Like, I don't know. Listen, don't, I'm just asking so that, you know, you and Ben <laughs> Affleck can be in
0: conversation. Don't be mad at
1: me. I have a very specific strategy with, with, with all three of them, but I just do three, the first three words just to use as many different letters as possible. I don't even try to start solving until t- turn four. So, okay. Free free advice, Ben Affleck. Okay, so you would not
0: compete in this particular <laughs> well, league.
1: Then it's a good. It's a good. I don't. I think it's a pretty good strategy. I don't know. It is, as he said, it's not. Those games are not harder than than Wordle because you just have a lot more chances to figure things out. It's just it's just a way to fill time. I just want to say that I would be really competitive with Bradley Cooper. I would never want to lose to Bradley Cooper at anything. Okay.
0: I think Bradley Cooper feels that same way about every other person in his life, and that is what is animating all of his career choices and performances. I really enjoyed the part where he's like, let's face it, going up against actors. It's not a high bar. I expected so to be really
1: well. I love him. He just, this is like one of the best Ben Affleck's ever. I, I absolutely loved it. This is like, a, this is a Hall of Fame Q&A for me. I'll always remember it. So many I funny will moments. Too.
0: He's really good at content. At least at, you know, interviews and media criticism and great content. I will be honest, I have not seen Air yet. I am seeing it tonight. It is a movie about marketing. But Emily in Paris is a television show about marketing, and I love that, despite its
1: complete evilness. So I'm, my heart is open. You consume a lot of marketing content, despite your disdain for it. I mean, content about marketing. Your place yeah, or what, mine?
0: What other marketing content besides Emily in Paris and Air? Your place or mine? It's recent. Oh, is he a marketer? Yes. <laughs> well, he quits <laughs> his job. Oh, that's right. But then he has the kid go through a rebrand. Did you Great. finish that
1: movie? No, I didn't. Yeah, the kid's It'll rebrand works. too. He becomes a hockey player. I'm really busy right now. I'm watching um Excuse season me. twelve. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Call the call the midwife uh, about right, of twenty course. minutes at a time. Okay. There's only six episodes available on PBS. For, and I, I think there's only six in the season and I really don't want it to end. So I have to drag it out as slowly as possible. Okay. So I've just got a lot going on. Plus, I i don't know if I've really discussed it with you, but I'm incredibly addicted to Love Island and I think about it and you, like talk about it. It's like one of those things where you... Voice all the time.
0: Yeah. You bring it up a lot. You like slip it, it like a side into many conversations and it's like... At this point, I'm choosing not to inquire more, you know? And it's like, it's a choice to just be like, I don't, I don't actually want to hear about this.
1: I, I understand why it became so popular. It's because the everyday thing is, it's like, I am I am to Love Island as, as golfers are to golf. Or like people, it's like a drug. It's my okay. math. My teeth are also better. Okay. But it's just, yeah, the fact that it's on every day and like it's happening in real time, it's like becoming really into a sport and the sport is reality television. Okay. I- I understand that. I mean,
0: I'm not going to watch it. No, uh, I, I, don't rec- I don't recommend it for you. Is Love Island? It's over on? in
1: the UK. There's one. There's one more week for us here in the US on Hulu. But then on in Bachelor Party in the month of May, we're rewatching season three. So, okay. Wow. I can't. I can't wait. All it's right. It's gonna be great. Anyway, Ben Affleck's great. Also, one other quote I really loved was like how he's like, I don't understand why I got to make a lot of money for Geely. That was pretty funny. Yeah, that was good. We yeah. love Ben Affleck on this podcast. Man, he's the best. The Eras Tour kicked off, yeah, in Phoenix. in Arizona.
0: Emma Stone I'm was there. S-
1: I'm surprised by how many people on my Instagram feed traveled to Arizona to attend the opening weekend of the ERAS Tour. Also, <laughs> were able to get tickets. Most of these people are adults, so <laughs> I don't think there's <laughs> anything anything wrong with that. By the way, I'm not like judging. You. I'm just like kind of surprised. I don't know. I just didn't I didn't know this was like number one on the to do list for most people. The first the, this weekend, this past weekend in March.
0: I, too, saw some footage, and I was like, oh, that looks fun. Like, maybe I should try to go. And then I remembered, like, the world historical meltdown that surrounded the Eras Tour and a bunch of teenagers trying to get tickets. And I was like, I don't want to take it away from a
1: a 12-year-old who really wants to go. Yeah, I mean, I I hope everyone has fun. But (laughs) the Wall Street Journal decided to celebrate this by doing a big spread of Taylor Swift's property holdings, which come to $150 million at this point she's got a lot in the places she commits to. I also I was glad they did this cuz I was thinking about it. Taylor Swift is notorious for never staying in a hotel. She always goes home in between her shows. Right. That can't be possible with like this this tour where she's like doing multiple nights in in one city. She's like doing like two nights everywhere she goes basically. So, I was thinking about that. But oh, good note. Do you think she's doing Airbnbs? I don't know, but I'm very curious because like, she's not like staying on a bus. I I, I don't know. Like I do, the way it's structured does seem like she can go home to or a home in between. Right. But like, is she leaving Arizona and flying back to Beverly Hills in between those shows? I really doubt it. Like even her, I don't think so. I could see it. It's one of the reasons why she has the private jet miles that she does that she was like mocked for recently.
0: Surely there is a... Twitter account where we could find this information about where her private jet went on last night. Saturday night. I heard Sunday Elon night. Musk
1: wanted to ban those because people were keeping track of him. Right, right. His like <laughs> whatever. I can't I can't go down that one. <laughs> anyway, Amanda, do you have a favorite Taylor Swift
0: home? I I like that she's still committed to the Rhode Island one, you know? Mm-hmm. Still there. So I don't know whether she spent a lot of time there recently. Mm-hmm. But the, it's it's beautiful and I like being by the ocean as you know so if I had the funds that Taylor Swift does I
1: would put them towards a waterfront property of some sort totally agree I thought it was interesting that she has both a like a massive condo in Nashville that I think we've seen in one of her in Mar- maybe Miss Americana but that she also has like an estate there and I was wondering like which her parents stay at because her parents live in Nashville I have to assume she also owns their home or bought it for them right yes. like
0: I also, ass- she she I would might have more. It's the estate. Yeah, I thought it was interesting the detail about she's believed to be renting in the UK or having rented for a long time, and that most clients in her price range prefer to rent rather than buy in the UK because of the international tax, mm. which is like seventeen percent. So,
1: but that's then, crazy. Yeah.
0: So, then maybe she bought something, like, in the country, in the Hampstead area, but it's unknown whether she did. Anyway, I thought that was interesting.
1: Yeah, it is interesting. Also, I feel like with a lot of, like, really, like, nice properties in the UK, they're old, so I feel like the upkeep must be really expensive. Who wants that?
0: And so many regulations, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. The National Trust
0: just getting in everybody's business all the time. That's why Sienna Miller
1: lives in the Hobbit House. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget her thatched roof. Just yeah. a horrible idea. Yeah. I think that she needs to move in Tribeca. Everyone is familiar with Taylor, where Taylor Swift lives in New York. It just can't be safe. She had a new place. Yeah,
0: but doesn't she also have security? Like, it's sort of a fortress at this point, I would assume.
1: Yeah, and she, and she turned, like, the townhouse into the garage, basically. Right. But, like, how how much time is she spending there, really? I don't know. Where do you think is her principal location now? London and Nashville?
0: I think she probably spends a lot of time in L.A., And we just don't
1: see her because she can be under the radar. Right. And just stays home. Yeah. Same way we don't see Adele, who also just stays home, I think. Right. Same way you don't see me that often. Right. You just stay home, too. Yeah. Exactly. Well, she's got a lot of homes to choose from that Taylor Swift, including in Los Angeles. Anyway, it's fun to look at. Shout out to the guy who made, like, the short aerial video of her house. By the way... I know that that beach is public. Like you can just walk, like you can't access the house, but the beachfront in front of her house is not private. So you can just like access it. So if you're in Westerly. Okay.
0: I'll, I'll I'll make a note for the next time
1: I'm there. (laughs) Thank you to our producer, Jade Whaley. And we will be back next week.